Give it up for Jesus! Yeah! Woo! Love every single one of you. You guys are seriously too kind. It's one of my favorite days of the week, but I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't give honor to first and foremost God, okay? Which is why I have, give it up for Jesus. <laughs> Um, because, I mean, had it not been for the cross, I wouldn't be able to stand here uh, today, but also because of our pastors, the fact that they would trust people like you and me to be able to link arms with them to help lead the church that God put in their heart, it literally blows my mind. I've been part of this church family for almost five years now, and it's, it doesn't, it's just not normal. I don't get used to this, and so I'm just so excited and honored to be here today, and I just want to spend the next few moments talking with everyone. This is a family meeting, okay? It's a family meeting. Talking to every single one of you, whether you're tuning in on Instagram or you're here in the room or you're even going to be listening to this later, I want to speak to how to lead when you're not the one in charge. Okay, 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 all right, let's do it. I could have came up here and been like, beep, boop, bop, and everybody been like, yeah! <laughs> so I love that you guys are with me, but we're going to turn yes, um, in Exodus 17, 8. Okay, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, there's lots of words that I probably should have asked Garland first if I was saying them right, so I just need your grace. But it says, then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Araphdim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Today, tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under them, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on the side of each other. So his hands were steady until going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Okay, so this is the first time in the Bible that we actually hear about Joshua. So Joshua is actually pretty funny to me because you hear his title in the Bible over and over and over again as the assistant to Moses. <laughs> if you ever watch The Office, he's like Dwight. He's not the assistant regional manager. He's the assistant to the regional <laughs> manager. And so in this moment, uh, Moses looks to Joshua and he's like, hey, we're actually going to go to battle you're going to be fighting, I'm going to be up in the mountain. <laughs> You're going to be in the war, putting out your life, but I'm going to be up on the mountain. And so, but Joshua, from what I can tell, did not give lip to Moses. If he felt it in his heart, he didn't say it, and the writer didn't record it. So thank you, Jesus. Uh, and so Joshua, what most of us didn't know up until this moment, is actually an incredibly skilled general um, in the military. And so he's going out, and he's fighting the battle. And if you were Joshua, or you were with his army, you would feel like the reason you were winning was because of Joshua. But if you take a step further back, you would look and see that Moses is on the mount, and he's the one, when he puts his hands up, they're winning. And when he puts his hands down, they're losing. So it might look like Moses was the one who was actually prevailing the fight. But I actually think that the reason that Joshua continued to be faithful in that moment was because he knew that it took intercession on the mountain. It actually took insisting in the battle, but the only victory that came was when the Lord interceded. And so 
how do you lead when you're not in charge? You have to be willing to get your hands dirty when you're not the one who gets the credit. And so Joshua literally was in the middle of a battle. It looked like he was the reason that they were winning. But at the end of the day, it wasn't Moses, it wasn't Aaron, it wasn't Ur, it was literally God himself that was bringing them to victory. Joshua didn't let his title or the credit dictate his obedience. Yeah. And I feel like oh, as the leaders, we can look to titles like, what? Do, how do I play my part at my job? How do I play my part in my family? I think we're so well aware of like hierarchies in our life that we actually sometimes shrink back from the call that God has for us when literally from the beginning of time, it never mattered about titles, but it mattered about obedience. And so that's what we see Joshua live out here. Um, and so Aaron, literally stood to the left and her stood to the right or vice versa. Um, and Joshua still prevailed because he was obedient. And so you actually see his obedience followed through in numbers, okay? So you see Joshua all throughout the Old Testament in Numbers 13, Moses hears from God because the Israelites, they stay complaining, okay? Don't be an Israelite. Don't be an Israelite. They stay complaining. Uh, they want to peep in to the promised land. I get it because God, I'm like, let me peep into my future, okay? And God literally tells Moses, he allows Moses to pick 12 people. He sends one person from each tribe of Israel um, to go into uh, Canaan and to spy on them, right? And so 12 of them go, and Joshua's one of them. And so then they come back. They were there for 40 days. You think by 40 days, they would gather up some courage. Like, you know when you go and you see, like, a fight, and you're like, I could never, I could never. But if you're in something long enough, you're like, oh, I could take them. I could take them. I could take them. <laughs> they were there 40 days, and they come back and report. And 10 of the 12 are like, my dude. This ain't it. This ain't it. They're like, we got Crystal over here. She's four foot 11. They got someone over here. They're six foot two. We're never gonna make it. But you actually see in Numbers 14, six through 10, it says this, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunim, uh, who were amongst those who spied out on the land, they tore their clothes and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through it to spy on is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us a land and he will give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. So how do you lead when you're not in charge? You say yes when everybody else says no. You look at the land that God has promised to you, promised to this church, promised to your family, promised to your business, promised to your dreams, and you literally say, yes, Joshua's faithfulness in that moment, he chose it over his own fear. Everyone else saw personal obstacles, but Joshua and actually Caleb saw an opportunity for God to actually defeat what they would see as failure. And so how do you do that? You literally continue to say yes when everyone else says no. When your boss is like, do you think that we can take on this new territory? and everybody's like, no, we don't have enough staff. You're the person that says yes, because I'm faithful, because I know who my God is. Um, and so you continue to see that uh, Joshua, I want to call him Josiah, my boy Josiah. Uh, Joshua um, is actually one of Moses' right-hand man at this point, okay? And so it actually made me think of Peter, who's running alongside of Jesus, and he was also one of his right-hand man. So then you go to Matthew. I love this story, okay? Because it just shows us that even the disciples were human, okay? In Matthew 26, 35, it was literally the Last Supper. Um, and then it says this, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep on the flock, which will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, 
before the rooster crows. He probably said a little less sassy, okay, because he's Jesus. You will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And the disciples said the same. 30 verses later. <laughs> Peter's like, Jesus, never heard of him. <laughs> I've never seen that man a day in my life, okay? You would think that Peter being the right hand of Jesus would actually be more committed to the son of man than Joshua was to Moses, who was just a man that God was using. But I hear what was the difference. Here is the difference, is that Peter said yes with his lips, but with not his heart. And Joshua... And Joshua said yes with his heart and with his mouth. And so I just want to appeal to you when you say yes, are you giving lip service or are you giving heart service? Because the only thing that matters when you're a leader is literally the intention in your heart because there have been times where I had said yes with my lips and not with my heart and that did not give glory to God and it actually broke me. It actually broke me because it was contingent on the victory of my yes instead of the victory of who God already was. Okay, we're gonna keep trucking on. Y'all with me? Okay, we're getting there. I'm in Exodus 19, okay? I'm just giving you Bible verses, guys, because this is not me. This is literally the Lord. It says Moses has an encounter with God. You can go back and read it. And God tells him um, that he's gonna come about Mount Sinai, okay? But before then, he's like, go and consecrate all of your people. Back in the day, fun fact, I used to be like, Lord, consecrate me. And then I learned it was circumcision. <laughs> and I was like, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> and so Moses was obedient and he comes down and he actually snips his entire army and he tells them that they need time for recovery and Joshua was literally one of them. And what I learned from this moment is that we have to trust our leaders even when they cut us. Because the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be pruned, because we're supposed to be cut, because without the pruning, without the cutting, there isn't fruit. And because they were cut, literally God's presence came upon the mountain. I would not want to be the one person who's like, no, 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 you are not going to consecrate me. And I actually would have been a stumbling block for God's presence instead of a catalyst. And so as leaders, we want to be sure that when our leaders cut us, I hate being cut. Y'all, but when our leaders cut us, it's actually an act of obedience. It's actually on behalf of God because it literally says that God corrects those that He loves. So, how do you lead when you're not in charge? Trust your leader, even when they cut you. Okay. I think that Joshua and Joshua one, we're coming to a close here. Um, Moses is dead, and right before that, God tells Moses, "I need you to tap in, Joshua." I need you to tell him that I'm trusting him to see this through, trusting him to see, to bring the people into the promised land. At no point do I feel like Joshua was working his way up a corporate ladder. He was just continuing um, to be faithful, and he actually was a student of his leader because in Joshua 1, you see that God actually speaks to Joshua, and he's like, like Moses, I will be with you. I will command you as I commanded Moses. I will go before you as I go before Moses. And so I feel like had he not been a student of his leader, he actually wouldn't have been able to stand tall in this moment. He actually, you see in the text in Joshua 1, if you go back and read it, is that he walked right into his leadership. God told him to do something and he had immediate obedience. And I feel like the reason that Joshua was an incredible leader in that moment is because he was leading before he was ever in charge. It's because he was a leading when no one else was seeing it. It worked in the front because it had already been working in the back because of his faithfulness 
faithfulness for years, he was able to be faithful before the Lord and he ended up being the one that God has chosen. It actually is funny to me because God calls Joshua um, in uh, numbers with uh, Moses, but then in Joshua, when he speaks to him, he still refers to him as Moses' assistant. And Joshua's response to him wasn't, don't I get a new title because Moses is dead? He already knew that he was a son. He already knew that he was a leader and that the one thing that he needed to do was a lead because here's the thing. At the end of the day, Joshua knew that he was not submitting to Moses' authority. At the end of the day, it was literally the God in Moses that he was submitting to. And so I want to appeal to all of us as leaders, wherever we are, whether it's our relationships, husband, wives, whether it's our kids, whether we're in school and it's our deans, our principals, whether it's our bosses, when we submit to authority, God chose Joshua to be an assistant when Joshua literally on paper had the qualifications to be a ruler of the nation, but he was obedient. So I want to urge all of us to take a note from Joshua. So let's not let our titles dictate our obedience. Let's be willing to get our hands dirty when we don't get the credit. Let's say yes when no one else says yes. And we want to say yes with our mouth and our hearts. We want to trust our leaders even when they cut us. And we want to be a student of our leaders because at the end of the day, None of us are in control. None of us are the ones leading. Only God is. I love every single one of you.